0: Consumers are still saying that they're very concerned about inflation, inflation in general, and in particular, the cost of groceries and gasoline. You are listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board.
1: Welcome to this episode of CEO Perspectives, a signature series by the Conference Board. CEO Perspectives are conversations that take an objective, nonpartisan look at a range of subjects that matter most to business leaders. I'm Eric Lund, Principal Economist of the Conference Board and the host of today's podcast. In today's conversation, we're discussing our newly released data on consumer confidence in the U.S. Joining me today is Dana M. Peterson, Chief Economist at the Conference Board. Welcome, Dana.
0: Hey, Eric, how are you?
1: I'm great, thanks. So we just had a U.S. consumer confidence released this morning. Uh, what was the main message a C-suite executives should take from the report?
0: So i think the main message is that consumers even though they're still spending at least uh, through the third quarter that they're a little bit cautious about the outlook and they think that there is something negative around the corner at least within the next six months or so
1: and what caused the the movement in the overall confidence index
0: well it was both the present situation and the expectations index the present situation dipped and expectations fell further below 80 and 80 is a threshold that signals uh, consumers expecting recession at some point over the next six months or so.
1: Uh, now, was there any difference by age or, or income group?
0: The thing is that the decline in consumer confidence was evident across householders age 35 and up. And I'm not really sure what was going on, but but certainly we've seen a mix from month to month. But in general, it seems like households are, are just not really that happy. and. Across income group, it was down. So it didn't matter how much money you're making or what your wages or income looked like, just about everyone was concerned.
1: What are consumers saying are their greatest concerns?
0: Consumers are still saying that they're very concerned about inflation. Inflation in general, and in particular, the cost of groceries and gasoline. That's not surprising. Certainly we're seeing prices for groceries being elevated in the CPI and also in the PCE deflator. And gasoline prices have been rising because opec cut their output over the summer but we're also seeing consumers say that they're concerned about higher interest rates and the political situation certainly interest rates are higher because the fed has been hiking Um, they may pause uh, but still in all interest rates may stay higher for longer and the political situation probably troubled a lot of consumers because of the dysfunction we're seeing in washington certainly there was a long period of time without uh, a leader in the house and there also could be another government shutdown I would also note that worries about war and conflicts also rose, and that's likely reflecting the recent turmoil in the Middle East.
1: So we saw downticks in both the expectations uh, and the the present situation index uh, of uh, the CCI. Can you tell us uh, what, what drove the changes for the downtick in the present situation gauge?
0: Sure, so the present situation gauge is made up of two sub-indexes. One is about business conditions, the other is about the employment situation presently. So uh, fewer consumers said that business conditions were were good, and more of them said that business conditions were bad. So that was unilaterally worse. Um, Regarding the employment situation, uh, slightly fewer said that jobs were more plentiful, and also more said that jobs are hard to get. So, again, not so great readings on the employment situation or business conditions. Now, there's another measure called current family financial conditions. This is not a part of the present situation, it's a separate question. But those saying that their financial conditions are good rose, and those saying that their financial conditions were bad were little changed. Now, this we think reflects the fact that many consumers, um, even though they may be concerned about Uh, they may be saying it's hard to get a job many consumers are still working and they're still seeing money come into their households
1: what about expectations what do we learn about you know what consumers are thinking about the future
0: so the expectations index is comprised about of three measures and um so that includes future business conditions job availability and incomes and so they were. Uh, basically skeptical skeptical about all three of these things and like I said earlier the expectations gauge held below 80 um, and not asked within the expectations question but as separate questions we do ask about inflation expectations and that actually ticked up in October to 5.9 percent after holding at 5.7 for the past three months that's the opposite direction of what the Fed Would want to see and it's likely again reflecting gasoline prices because the expectations gauge one year ahead typically matches or matches the sentiment about gasoline and food prices and then we also have the expected family financial situation six months hence and that continued to fall off so while consumers are saying finances are okay now Six months from now, we don't think so.
1: So they're telling us that they are expecting inflation to go up a little bit. What about recessions? Uh, What what does the consumer expect in terms of a a recession uh, uh, in the future?
0: Well, more than two thirds of consumers still said a recession is somewhat or very likely in October. Now, this isn't as high as it was earlier this year, but that's still pretty significant when you have that many who are saying that something bad is going to come around the corner.
1: And what about, does this pair well with with what our views are at the conference board in terms of our our outlook for a recession?
0: Well, you know, Eric, you're responsible for that. And (laughs) you've been saying that um, we're going to have a recession most likely in the first half of this year. And it seems like consumers are agreeing with you. Um, Certainly the, the first half of 2024 is within the next six months. And basically they are saying that conditions are going to be worse for them. And also that that's going to mean something that's somewhat negative. But again, we're not deeply below 80. So potentially consumers are saying, yes, a short and shallow recession is in the future.
1: Well, it's nice to hear that we're both uh, in line with the consumers at the conference board. But what about other gauges for recession risk? What are we learning from those? And are they consistent with what we're seeing from the consumer confidence index?
0: Sure. Well, let's talk about business confidence. Indeed, when we ask CEOs what they think, they continue to say more than uh, slightly above 90% say, I'm sorry, slightly above 70% say that yes, there will be a recession at some point over the next 12 to 18 months, but that it will be short and shallow. Um, that's down from the more than 90% who thought that earlier this year, but still, no, if you've got 71% of CEOs saying that they expect a downturn, then potentially something is happening. So those are sentiment measures, what consumers and CEOs are saying. When we look at the hard data, like our leading economic index, that's been negative for 18 months. And typically when it goes negative and stays negative for an extended period, it also signals recession. And then one other measure is temporary help employment. Uh, Usually when that's negative, you get a recession. And it's been negative for for several months
1: now. thanks very much, Dana. We're going to take a short break and be right back with more of my conversation with Dana Peterson. What does the future of work mean for your employees? How will your company navigate ESG? Will there be a global recession? At the Conference Board, our experts translate the latest research and economic analysis into insights and real-time problem solving for your organization. Membership at the Conference Board provides your team with an assortment of knowledge from economics, marketing and communications, ESG, public policy, and human capital. As a member, you'll have access to our center experts, member-exclusive events, data and benchmarking tools, and peer sharing that will help you understand the present and shape the future. Consider becoming a conference board member today by visiting www.conference-board.org. Welcome back to CEO Perspectives. I'm your guest host, Eric Lund, Principal Economist at the Conference Board, and I'm joined by Dana Peterson, our Chief Economist. So Dana, uh, we touched a little bit on uh, some of the drivers of consumer confidence in the first half, but let's dig a little deeper now. Uh, So does inflation or interest rates appear to be affecting household buying plans?
0: Well, it's interesting when we look at buying plans, we tend to smooth it out over six months um, with a six month moving average because it's very volatile. And it doesn't seem like inflation or higher interest rates are, are negatively impacting plans to buy cars or even appliances. And that could be because cars are probably old at this point, and many people held on to them for many years and they're still looking to replace them. Also, during the pandemic period, there was a shortage of automobiles due to supply chain disruptions both affecting production of cars and the chips that go in them so now there's greater inventory and you probably see more people out there buying cars and i would also note that there are pretty significant credits for buying evs and so you could see some of that tax credit action affecting home, uh, car buying with appliances that's interesting it's not really clear why people are buying appliances but i certainly know that my dishwasher and also my microwave broke down during the pandemic period and i had to replace them but interest rates do be do seem to be affecting home buying plans indeed home buying plans continued to flag and that's not surprising when we look at the mortgage rate i looked at it this morning and i saw a rate for 8.26 percent that's really high and, and i saw another rate for about eight percent that's very different from the mortgage rates that people saw a few years ago, or even um, when interest rates were at rock bottom during the pandemic. So higher interest rates means that it's much more expensive for new home buy for new buyers of homes. And also anyone who has an existing home and is looking to trade up or trade out, they may already have a very low mortgage rate, um, let's say three or three and a half percent or even 4%. And now it's double. So that's definitely weighing on the housing market, and we're seeing that in buying plans.
1: So we don't think that we're, you know, some of the the housing market data has shown some small signs of improvements. You don't think we're seeing any green shoots in the housing market right now?
0: Well, we've certainly hit a bottom, and you wrote about that last week in the GDP report, where housing residential investment ticked up, I think, both year on year and also on a quarterly annualized basis. So it seems like the worst is over, but both you and I know that or at least believe that interest rates are probably not going to start falling until sometime next year. And even with that, you have only four rate cuts. So that means that the mortgage rates probably not going to be much lower. And so we your own forecasts and and I agree with them suggest that it's going to be a while before we see housing, you know, back where it was in terms of activity um, as long as mortgage rates remain elevated.
1: So do you think consumer confidence helps to uh, reinforce or dispute our current forecast?
0: Well, again, I think that the consumer confidence data are supporting your forecast that there will be slowing in consumer activity. Um, Many consumers, especially those between the ages of 35 and 50, are now having to pay back, at least in part, their student loan debts. So that, that means that's money that's not being use for consumption especially consumption of services and you've noted and i've noted in our in our writings that that many people are taking on credit card debt and when you think about the folks who are taking on the most debt those are the folks at the lower end of the income spectrum and there's also data that shows that excess savings by different income groups um, is slowing for all of them and indeed for the highest group that slowed really rapidly so you're, it's not going to be the case that you're You know wealthier consumers can carry the day, so all of that does suggest that you know it supports what consumers are saying about expectations of finances being weaker in the future incomes being weaker and supports your call for slower growth in consumption and potentially even negative readings in the first half of next year.
1: So, Danny, I mean, you're right. You know, I have been saying that, you know, the news for the consumer outlook isn't that great and we're expecting some pullback. What are the implications for for financial markets as a function of this?
0: Well, I think, you know, a big worry for me, and, and we've talked about this and you've also highlighted this, is the fact that consumers are starting to pile on debt. Now, when you look at the debt figures, many of those uh, delinquencies that we're seeing are back at the 2019 level but that's just through the second quarter what happened in the third quarter and what's happening right now in the fourth quarter most likely those numbers continued to climb and again it's many of those consumers who already spent that excess savings from the stimulus checks um, and now they're turning to credit cards to pay for basics like food and energy which they're complaining and saying is more expensive so as these delinquencies rise that impacts banks and banks are a significant uh, cog in the wheel of the financial sector. And indeed, banks that are that are um, not necessarily in the top 100 in terms of size, but those small and medium-sized banks are seeing delinquencies rise very aggressively for credit cards. And also, they're having to charge these off. Charge-offs means they just kind of write it off and say, we're never going to get this money back. And so that could make those banks even more susceptible to weakness or even Or even a crisis that could feed back through the financial sector.
1: Now, are there any other risks to the banking or the the financial sectors ahead? For example, sovereign debt?
0: Yes. um, We mentioned earlier the potential for another shutdown. Now, that lessens confidence in markets and in rating agencies and the ability for the US to manage its fiscal house. Um, and when we look at the amount of debt that we've accrued, it's it's massive. And it's, it's due to a lot of factors. Um, debt has increased over the last 15 or 20 years because we've had deep and dramatic and lengthy recessions. We've also had tax cuts without material spending cuts. And when we think about net interest, that's a huge portion of what's causing debt to increase. And net interest has, has skyrocketed since the Fed began raising interest rates to address inflation. So with all of that, the Treasury has had to issue a lot more debt. And the question is, who's going to buy it? Um, We know that Japan and China, who are generally huge purchasers of U.S. Treasury debt, are diversifying away from U.S. Treasuries. The good news is that other economies are kind of stepping in, especially emerging markets. And you also have domestic buyers, but still in all, there's just a lot of debt coming online and there's concerns about who's going to purchase it and whether or not this is sustainable.
1: Dana, thank you very much for for walking us through the the latest report and our broader sort of view on on the outlook here in the U.S. Um, It was great to have you and, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Eric. And thanks to all of you for listening into CEO Perspectives. Every week, we'll be joined by a prominent thought leader to provide insights on the issues of our time. We'll cover the leading topics in economics, public policy, ESG, human capital, and more. Please share CEO Perspectives with your colleagues. I'm Eric Lund, and this series has been brought to you by the Conference Board. You have been listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board.